Welcome to the 270th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on February 5th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 5% of this here show with me is the man who's starving for nutrition, Carlos Rodella. That's me. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, and that usually makes a better podcast. We shall see, because I'm also pretty hungry as well. I ate breakfast, a wonderful breakfast, but it was several hours ago, and I'm ready to eat. It's funny because I was like, oh, I'm going to put some food together. I'm going to go upstairs and get some food, and I look at the clock, and I'm like, ah, man. No time. No time. So I guess it's a glass of water instead. Yep, I have water and a little bit of leftover mocha from this morning. And I also had, uh, not breakfast, but I had brunch today. How wow, fancy. fancy. What are you, in the 1%? What are you? I know. Brunch, man. No, I'm here. St- I still don't have much money. Um, no, no, no. It was just, you know, I met up with a friend and uh, and actually had like an eggs, egg and cheese sandwich and a mimosa, and I felt like a regular human being for a minute. Wow. It felt crazy. Yeah. Mimosa, geez. All right. I know. Like totally drunk right now? No. A mimosa? <laughs> oh, man. You're sloshed. God, keep it together, oh, my Carlos. Goodness. Well, okay. Oh, my God. It was a while ago, too, so... Um, All right. Let's talk about Fair video enough. games, though. Let's talk about video games. Before we get to that, as everyone knows, you and I share a virtual living space, giant house divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. On my side, I actually have a couple couple small, dainty little boxes. What do you got on your side this week, Carlos? Well, there's some huge boxes that everybody's already talking huge, about. Huge, huge boxes. Huge boxes that they've opened up and they've already seen and they're already like taking pictures of, and it's all over the news. But first one, obvious, is uh, the big box that is Acquisition time and sony buying bungie uh, that was ridiculous dude I, I was leaping for my calendar going is it april 1st today what's going on yeah most people didn't believe it and also it's just like a weird purchase and we could talk about it for a minute and like the reasoning behind it um i think i understand what that is now but on first glance you're like oh they bought a microsoft developer essentially the people who created halo but 343 has halo so they don't yeah. even they didn't even buy halo they it's just, just bought destiny, destiny right yeah just destiny yeah, but so here's my kind of follow-up to it. Uh, you might be like, why do they do that? Um, Sony really still needs some good online games-as-a-service games. Yeah. And they don't have that really, uh, besides the ones that are kind of third-party. So, you know, besides them getting Destiny and them keeping Destiny 2 multi-platform, uh, Destiny 3 could be exclusive, as well as, and this is what I think, they're actually working on another game right now that's a games-as-a-service game for Sony. I mean, that would make perfect sense. It's yeah. weird. I mean, they must be, right? Because, I mean, obviously, I'm not, like, in the Destiny camp. It doesn't seem like you are either, are you? No, no. I mean, I played it when it first dropped. I even went to the launch event, as a matter of fact. Um, but, you know, Destiny's not for me, and I I don't really feel like I hear about it. I kind of feel like, and, and let me know what your sense of this is. I feel like people who like Destiny really like it and they're in that camp but like i feel like it's kind of a closed bubble now where it's like i don't feel like there's a lot of crossover i don't feel like i hear about it unless i'm seeing those dedicated destiny people tweet about it and i feel like it's its own thing like i kind of forgot that destiny even exists i mean i'm sure it's huge i'm sure they've got millions of dedicated fans but i just kind of feel like it's its own thing or do you feel like it's kind of like walled off these days yeah i mean if you think of like something like elder scrolls online that's just so much more approachable in my opinion, than like a destiny because like, you know, you have to be playing that thing and just, yeah, like you said, it just feels like it's been this little world 
um, walled garden, etc. And I don't know, other MMOs and other types of online games, I think, are easier for anybody to jump into. But I, And also, it's just the style. You have to like that style. Yeah, um, exactly. But I, I, I do think that weird. that's... Yeah, it's weird. I think that that's why um, that purchase was made, though. It's not for Destiny. I think it's for a, an unre- unannounced title. Sure. And also, you know, also, I mean, other people have mentioned this, too. But I think the thing that's maybe not immediately obvious is there um, know-how about, you know, oh, let's do matchmaking, let's do online, let's get rid of lag, like all the technical side of things. Maybe they just want to leverage that because, I mean, you know, regardless of my feelings on Destiny, there's no doubt that they know um, the technical side. They have mastery of that aspect. So even if they do a Destiny or just something else, new IP, or maybe they just work on some other property, they've got the technical know-how to make that work seamlessly and smooth. So that itself is worth a lot of money. Yeah, totally. And in a, in a comedy sketch that I made, I made a little quick uh, sketch on TikTok about it. Uh, you can check it out. It's like uh, Sony by Bungie or something. And the one guy is like, oh, dude, Sony just bought Bungie. That's like the makers of Halo. That's like a burn, dude. And then the other guy's like, yeah, well, uh, Microsoft owns Crash Bandicoot. And he's like, oh, that hurts, man. That's too soon. The world is upside down right it now. It is. Cats and dogs living together. No, day is night. Night is day. Black is white. Up is down. Acquisition number two, quietly take two, bought Zynga. I, Zynga, I mean, I don't have any conception of the mobile space. They're mobile only, right? They are, I think. But also, by the way, in that deal, uh, remember the Activision Blizzard deal, it was sure. King. So King was a mobile, huge mobile developer, right, and a lot of right. money. So it's again, it's kind of a money play, probably as well. Like you know, mobile still brings in a ton of money. Um, but that that was also done, and then just a bunch of articles came out and said like, "Hey, what are we going to get down to now? Like, is it going to be four companies?" At some, I mean, point? we're already heading that way anyway, dude. But, yeah. but let's pause on that for just like one second. Just a slight tangent here. Um, so you know, games criticism. I mean, that's kind of my bag. I've been doing it for many years, decades even, uh, and it's weird because. Mo- Let me ask your opinion on this, because I feel like mobile is no longer a space for creativity. I feel like it's a space where a lot of money changes hands. A lot of people have their established favorites, myself included, um, you know, where they, they know what they're doing and they're kind of churning out these products. But I don't feel like it's there's been any news lately of like, oh, my God, there's this amazing new mobile experience that everybody who likes games has to check out or like, oh, look at what they're doing. This is great for video games. It's more about just like you know, the latest, uh, you know, online MOBA or the latest gotcha game or something. I don't, I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong. Like maybe I'm just like showing my bias here, but I feel like as someone who's interested in game design and pushing those banners forward, I don't feel like we've had a lot to look at in the mobile space lately. Am I wrong on that? You might be. Well, here's the first thing. Well, number one, like remember when Apple Arcade came out, um, they kind of made a big push for indie developers and that trailer that they put out was great. Like tons of new indie games that a lot of them were exclusive and I think you now can still get that Apple Arcade and you don't have to have an iPhone. Is that right? Yeah, you can just do it on your Apple TV or right. on your iPhone or anything. Yeah. yeah. So that's like kind of a big push. And also, I, you know, me, I have like four or five mobile games on my phone at all times. I should bring more to the show. And this is that what you're actually helping me do is remind me to bring them to the show. Um, one that I keep remember, remember, uh, forgetting to talk about uh, that I really like. So I think it's there. It's just the number one problem with mobile in my opinion, is it just so crowded. Discoverability. Discoverability is really hard. And that's why Apple was doing that thing, positioning themselves to be like, hey, listen, we're just going to showcase a bunch of these games. And they're really good, you know? I Um, mean, I I totally believe that. And I jumped on Apple Arcade when it came out. But man, I feel like 
I haven't heard boo about it for a while and I don't hear anybody talking about Apple Arcade and I think we all kind of forgot about it. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of really talented, really creative mobile people out there. But like you said, discoverability is probably a problem. And like the last couple times I've gone to like the mobile store on Android, I'm like, I'm never coming here again. This is garbage and trash. So I don't hear about anything and I don't have any reason to go just like searching the mobile store. I feel like to me, it's like a wasteland, but I don't know that that's true. Well, one more thing before we get off this tangent. Um, one, I watch, uh, I forget what it's called. This Week in RPGs, I believe, um, from Fextra Life is the thing on YouTube. F.E. Extra Life or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. Um, they always talk about any RPG, and they include mobile. And so I actually learn about RPGs uh, that are on mobile from them because they don't, like, in quotes, discri- discriminate, you know? Like, sure. it's just if it's a new Final Fantasy game, oh, and it happens to be on mobile, they'll talk about it. So I think it would behoove, like, you know, uh, developers and stuff like that if more and more shows and, you know, content creators would talk about it as well. Because again, I found out about like a bunch of RPGs that are on mobile that I would never have known because of that show. Um, there's that, but also there's just a different audience. And if I we're mean, not, that's exactly it, it right? Yeah, that's yeah. Exactly it. Because like I think it's it's both. It's like maybe like let's say twenty five percent is something that we would be into, right? But I'm just telling you that that twenty five percent does exist, and there's some really cool games out there. A lot sure, of RPGs. Sure. But then the other seventy five percent is like, yeah, it's not us. But it's people who like love what they're playing, right? And that's exactly what I mean, right? They have they have their genres, they have their the stuff that they're doing, and that you know again makes bananas money, right? Like it's it's money making. But at the same time, from like a critical perspective, I I mean I would love for someone to like email the show or tweet me and tell me a couple games on mobile that I should look at from a critical perspective because I feel like it's been a while well since yeah. I've heard about something really notable, you know. I'm I'm taking this moment and this tangent at the beginning of the show to write down notes of, you know, next episode I'm going to bring mobile games to the show. All right, let's uh, do it. And also really quick, this was in the housekeeping, but Puzzle Quest 3 is coming out soon. Um, yeah, I saw that. I saw and that. I love the original Puzzle Quest. You love Marvel's whatever it is. What's it called? Marvel Puzzle Quest. Marvel Puzzle Quest, yeah. So, yeah, Puzzle Quest 3 coming out. Um, there you go. There's kind of a good in. See, that's interesting, though. This is, again, another tangent. Is like I, I've been looking at people and, you know, with games as a service still kind of being a thing, and especially like on mobile, I feel like people have their favorites. And, you know, as everybody knows, I love Marvel Puzzle Quest. been playing it for like seven and a half years, almost eight years. But it's like at this point, I'm so in to Marvel Puzzle Quest. I don't have time or money for any other mobile game, right? Like, I only have enough time to do this one mobile game. This is my one game. I'm dedicated to it. I love it. And, like, Puzzle Quest 3, I loved Puzzle Quest when it came out on the Vita, I think, maybe. Um, But I'm not going to get into Puzzle Quest 3. I don't have time for that. I'm not going to, like... I'm not going to like start at zero. I'm already like eight years deep in this other game. I'm already like a king of this other game. I'm not going to go back to being Mm. a scrub in some other game. You know what I mean? Well, I don't because I do like starting new RPGs as a scrub. So there's a difference there, right? And then secondly, though, I think you actually said a a great answer to one of our questions here is that, and I'm actually the same way. And and next episode, you'll, you'll hear about two of my games that I play. But like, I do pick a couple games and just stick with them. And that's a different style, right? Like mobile, right, exactly. like you just said, you have one game that you really like spend money on too, you know, and you kind of like really get into being so good at it. So I think that's it. It's kind of different. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, good tangent. Um, but yeah, back to those acquisitions, just to say one thing is, um, I think the Blizzard one is being investigated finally. Uh, oh, for what? For what? Uh, for like Monopoly, Monopoly purposes stuff. or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and again, this that's where we come into this this phase of you know massive companies buying other massive companies, and it gets a little dicey on if you can do it or not in our legal system. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Our, our legal system's a joke. I kind of feel right. like at this That'd point, this just, is probably the least of our concerns at this point. Yeah, they'll just look at it and then be like, yep, okay, it looks, looks good to us. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, that's all. Did you have anything else you want to say about the acquisitions? No, nah, no, nah, that's it's fine. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, by the way, State of Play happened, and I was really disappointed. I don't know why. God, it, it did? Yeah. It was just I, on Gran Turismo, though. Oh, I was like, boy, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, I watched it live. And I mean, I know I was going to be disappointed because it was just one game, and I like a traditional, you know, uh, collection of games to be shown off. It's Gran Turismo Seven. Um, it's Seven, right? Yeah, Seven. And you know, for a lot of it, it just seemed weird. Like it's a very cornucopia of a game. Like there's a a, a menu for the cars, like an actual menu, like a food menu. Um, <laughs> there's a stuff that looks and feels like Horizon you know, which is a great game where they kind of like make it, make it more about the world and stuff and unlockables. And then there's the cars, which they looked good, but they didn't look like, you know, I don't know. They looked really good, but nothing insane. I mean, cars just look like cars, man. I mean, they how many like shiny surfaces can you really appreciate after a yeah. while? In general, I was just like, yeah, I was like, there. I was listening to the chat and most of the chat was like, uh, I just finished my homework <laughs> or like other funny things like they're not really paying attention. Yeah. Um. But they did introduce one thing that I liked, which was in their camera replays, you know, those kind of instant replay things, they match it with music. So it's kind of like these little music videos. And I thought that was neat. Uh, and the other thing that I didn't care about, but they added is like Photoshop. And you can like Photoshop like scenes from your, your cars and these all these different scenes. And then you can sell like things you take, like pictures and videos you take, and you can sell them on a marketplace. Uh, I what? what? Wait, I don't think it's sell. I'm sorry, it's not sell. It's like just show off, and they'll get like views, like a sure, YouTube. Sure, sure. Anyways, all of it, I was like, I don't care about. So uh, I was like, I feel myself aging right now. We got to move on. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention it because I love Sony, I love PlayStation, I love State of Play. I didn't like that thing. Uh, nothing about that is anywhere in my basket. So Ooh, I mean, if you're a Gran Turismo fan, cool. But right, 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 right. Uh, here's something that you are a fan of: this is uh, Souls games and Elden Ring. Oh, yeah, Elden Ring, coming up soon. Coming up very soon. And I just thought I'd mention that the director said um, more people will finish this game. He didn't say it was easier, but he said there was more ways to beat sections. And again, music to Carlos's ears. And I know you're going to tell me never to even touch this game. <laughs> but after I read the article, it did make it sound like you could do stealth in this one area instead of just attacking. Or you could go... It's a really, really big open world, so you could just go way across the map and do something else for a while. So it made it sound like it's kind of easier. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've been kind of uh, going radio silent on this. I'm, I, I'm going to play it, uh, but honestly, I think my wife is actually a lot more excited for it than I am, and she really, really, really is stoked for it. So we're going to buy a couple copies, and we're going to do the co-op as much as possible. Um, and I've, I just haven't really been reading anything about it. I kind of want to go in fresh and just kind of be surprised at it. But I mean, that is music to my ears, right? Because what was the last game they put out? Sekiro? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hated Sekiro. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I hated it because you had to play that game only one way. And if you didn't play that game the way that they wanted you to, you were fucked. Like you just really couldn't beat that game. Yeah. So I struggled through it because you didn't have any variations in build. There was like very little concessions to people who wanted to play other than 
upfront, in your face, and parry heavy. I hate parrying I in any too. game. Parrying oh can goodness. go get fucked so hard and hell, just die parry. in a fire. I hate parrying. Yep. And Sekiro was all about parrying, especially the last boss. I got all the way to the last boss. And if you can't parry, there's no way you're finishing that last boss. So that was a miserable experience. But I do like the idea that, hey, if you're not good at parrying, let's have options. Let's be a magic user. Let's do stealth. Let's have a big shield. Let's do something. I mean, I like that's what I really like about Souls, because there's always usually a lot of ways to play. Always hard, but you always had options, right? You could change mm-hmm. things up, be a magician, be a knight, be a, a thief or whatever. That's what I want them to get back to. And if they if that's what's going on in Elden Ring, then I'll be happy with that. That's what it sounds like. And also you just have more landmass, right? It's not like these oh, corridors. Oh, yeah, it's like open. It's open world now. Yeah, open so world, that yeah. I think that just automatically gives you the idea of like, yeah, having more options. So I'm excited for that. And I know I'm going for punishment. I'm still going to try it. And you're going to tell me not to. I mean, based will. on the demo, I do not think you want to play this game. But I mean, feel free to jump in. I probably will. Uh, also, Ubisoft doubled down on NFTs, which we love on this show. Uh, and he came out, some guy, I forgot who it was, said um, they doubled down and said, like, if you don't get why we're doing these gaming NFTs, you just don't get it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I saw that asshole. And I whatever was like, whatever oh, VP dude. of business, whatever bullshit yeah, that he yeah. was. Give me a break, dude. Like, like, NFTs are a fucking scam every way you slice it. And for them to get in on this, it just really shows that they just don't understand what's going on. They don't understand their audience. We don't need to monetize everything. I don't want to go to work and earn some shit. And the stuff that they're doing, it's all horseshit anyway. Like, you can't bring anything between games. Like, a million developers have come out and said it's basically impossible. Like, the NFTs themselves don't make any sense because they're just hot links to something that are not real and are not permanent. This whole thing is just a big fucking crock, and I wish we would just get over it and move on. Well, then you'd be really happy to hear the next part of that story, which is Atari is selling NFT loot boxes. Oh, I heard that stupidness, yes. <laughs> put the both words together. He just put both words together, the terrible <sighs> words, and put them together. And they said, and they did it with a straight face. They're like, no, no, no this is going to be fun. There's like a Valentine's Day one. And then you're like, get, get bent. No, I, I, I said this on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this or not, but I have, I have made an official statement. Um, anybody who emails game critics, I am about NFTs or about blockchain or anything. I am telling them officially, take us off your list. We're not covering anything and don't even send me these PR blasts anymore. Yeah. And if this is what you want to bring to me, that door is closed to you. So we're not covering this shit in any way, shape or form uh, at all. Like we're not even considering it. It's not going to be story. Any games, we're not going to cover those. So forget it. We're not doing NFTs. Hard um, and you know. You know, uh, Team 17, uh, Makers of the Worms, they came out. Uh, that was actually what triggered it, because I was like, are you kidding me? Team 17 is coming out with NFTs. The people who make worms are going to make NFTs. Give me a break. I emailed them back. I'm like, take me off your fucking list. They got intense pushback on Twitter, like like five minutes after they made the announcement, and they immediately like turned course and said, oh, actually, forget what we said about NFTs. We're canceling that. Uh, don't mention it anymore. So I think people out there fucking do not want this shit. Like we are telling them you cannot force it down our throats. Stop with the NFTs. Yeah. And also to that point, I just had a little asterisk of a note that Jimmy Fallon recently had uh, Paris Hilton on this show. Oh God. And they just basically made a mockery of humanity by literally showing off their monkey NFTs and then like laughing about it. And, and yeah, like I was talking to another friend of mine, like it's like the stock market where you like, if you have a lot of money, you can like make quick money, right? By based on these like uh, illusionary numbers, right? They're just these ideas of yeah, it's, it's ups just and nothing. downs. Yes, fictional bullshit. Yeah. So, anyways, that's all we'll ever talk about that. And I had 
just one more thing, which is that Wordle is not a bad thing. Like, I kind of like that. Um, oh, Wordle. They just got bought by the New York Times. I don't like that part. Okay, so I don't like that part. Because you know they're going to make you do that ad thing where you have to, like, to continue playing your game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, pay us yeah. a subscription. I played it a couple times. I thought it was fun. Not my jam, but I can see why people played it. And I was uh, surprised that they got bought so quickly. But, I mean, good for them. As other people have observed, it's hot right now. It'll be dead in two months. So they were smart to sell. Right. And I guess I just bring it up because I wouldn't mind, and we're old enough to know about these, but I wouldn't mind more, like, web-based games because a lot of us are on our computers, not just our phones. And also, like, a, I love the experience that, similar to our, what's that video game where we just played where you have to go 365 days? Uh, the Longing. The Longing, yes. Um, you can only play Wordle once a day. Right, just like a limit. You cannot just like, lose hours to it. I love yeah, it. Exactly. I love it, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, let's let's have more of that somehow. I don't know. I, for some reason, really dig that. I, checking in is a nice thing. That's what I, you know, that's actually one of the things I like about puzzle quest uh and why i come back to it so often because i just play it for like literally 15 minutes a day and yeah. it's like i you know i don't spend hours on it and i just dip in dip out so like wordle you do one per day i think that's right you just dip in dip yeah. out kind of like that animal crossing thing where it's like you do your your 20 minutes of chores and then you're done for the day move on with your life that's a good feeling yeah and yeah. with that by the way and this is the, my last box is that yeah i'm gonna play puzzle quest 3 when it comes out and uh i'll report back on it right on all right what's your little boxes you have um, just a couple things. I wanted to say that I finally finished uh, Lake the other day. Lake oh, yeah? on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. I um. So this is the post office simulator where you play a computer programmer lady who has to sub in for her dad, who is a mailman. Dad's going to Cancun or something, and he needs a sub. I mean, it's kind of a bogus thing because you would never just like step in to be a mailman. But anyway, um, so she takes his route around their old uh, hometown, around this lake. And uh, you just deliver packages, deliver mail, and you meet friends and talk. And it's kind of like a kind of like a walking sim, but not quite. And you're like a mail delivery sim. It's pretty chill, pretty laid back. Um, I played it one in-game day per day. Uh, so, like, you get up in the morning, you go to the post office, you grab your bag of mail, you drive around, deliver letters, you do one or two events at the end of the day, and then that's it. It takes you about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to do one day. And then I would just stop. Like I would just like move on and not come back to it. So again, kind of like the thing we were just talking about, you dip in, dip out. Mm. You could play it, you know, as, as much as you wanted, but I kind of felt like delivering the mail is kind of something that gets boring after a while and I didn't want to burn out on it. And it just kind of made sense to incorporate it into my, my daily routine just for a little bit. And it was really good. I mean, I, it was not perfect. It was really rough technically, even after a number of patches. Um, there were a number of things about it that I felt like could have been enriched or, or, or deepened. I mean, I wish there was more uh, narrative branching. I wish there was more people to talk to. I wish there was more special events you could do to kind of like make it seem more like a real place. But I like what they were doing. I like the idea of it. I liked um, just the tone, how chill it was. So overall, it was really good. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who just wants like 15 minutes of chill time a day. It's still on Game Pass. Um, I don't believe it's going anywhere anytime soon. So check it out. I think uh, it was it was it was worth the time I invested. Yeah, and that's a good uh, point to like, you know, more games like that. Like, just pick it up for a little while and put it down. Exactly, exactly. The other thing I want to mention really quickly um, is Peacemaker, the TV show. Are you watching this? Yes, I am. We are you done with it, it or not yet? Uh, done with it. It's not all out yet. No, no, but are you caught up? Yep, I'm caught up. Yep. I have one episode left and I'm caught up. This is the show starring John Cena, 
uh, his character, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in the DC realm, right? I mean, he's probably been around for years, but I'm not super familiar with the DC characters or anything like that. Just from like movies and TV. I don't really read DC comics. Um, but he is kind of like this weird psychopath who says, I, I will, I will work towards peace no matter how many men, women, and children have to kill along the way. Mm -hmm. So that kind of tells you what he's all about. Um, he was in the recent Suicide Squad movie and I thought he was pretty good in that. He was kind of an asshole in that movie. But kind of a somewhat likable asshole, just from the sense of how wacky he was. I wasn't sure what they were going to do with him starring in his own TV series, but I think they've done a really wonderful job. Um, I'm not going to really go into it too much, but basically they look at him as the same wacky hero, but they really examine how he got that way, why he is that way. He comes from an abusive home. His dad is like a terrible like white supremacist who filled his head with a bunch of garbage. He feels like maybe that's not the right path to go down, but he doesn't know how to relate to his own feelings. He doesn't know how to relate to other people. All he really knows is like how to like shoot guns and kill people. So he's like dealing with like relationships. Um, and there's also like a lot of humor, uh, a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But it kind of gives you that off kilter look at superheroes that I really enjoy. Like when you see behind the mask, what is it like when you're in your off hours? What is it like when you're not like saving somebody? Mm -hmm. um, I love shows that kind of look at that stuff. And I think it's doing a really great job. And uh, John Cena, especially, I feel like he's doing a great job of, again, kind of bringing that semi-asshole energy where he does and says a lot of really douchey things. But when you see his character in total, you're like, OK, I can kind of get why you're like this. And it does seem like he wants to change. So I'm kind of I'm kind of down with it so far. Yeah, I wanted to hate it because I don't like his character in that Suicide Squad at all, really enough. Yeah, um, he was he was fairly unlikable. Yeah. Very unlikable, and he does some unlikable things in it, uh, no spoilers. And so, and I was like, I'll hate, I'll hate watch the first episode, because my other buddy was like, you have to watch it. So I, I did hate watch the first one, and then I was like, oh, no, wait, this is good, because like you said, they're going to deconstruct him, and they're going to deconstruct heroes in general, because he has a sidekick, and the sidekick is like deconstructed and different and not what you would think normally, you know, of a superhero. And it's, yeah, it's similar to a lot of other kind of modern Marvel superhero-y things that come out of like, let's look at what it means to be a hero. Um, exactly. And, and like Unbreakable or something, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies that kind of take it apart. So I think it's done really well. I still think there's like some... There's some great acting, uh, some people that I've never even seen before in something, like really, really good acting. Um, there's a couple things where it, it, it plays into its like really, really douchiness of him or, you know, uh, sexism or racism. Oh, and yeah. Stuff. Tons. And yes. it does it. And then sometimes I'm like, it's James Gunn. And he like he always kind of like sometimes rubs me the wrong way where he's he's doing it tongue in cheek. But it's like, yeah, but did he still have to say that? Or, like, did he have to show all that sex? Like, you know, it just seems like some stuff feels out of place to me still. Um, even with that said, I watch every freaking episode. So there's, they're doing something good. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely on the right track. I mean, I uh, I think I like James Gunn's work um, in general. I definitely like it a hell of a lot more than Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder can get fucked. Um, but James Gunn, I think, is closer to, I think, what I look for in kind of a modern superhero kind of thing. So, I'm, you know, like you said, racism sexism a lot of stuff about these characters that is that is not there to be liked and i think it's okay because they're kind of looking at it from a from a different angle like it's not here to be celebrated but they're kind of showing it as this is the result of this person being broken and this is this is what they are and I, i'm curious to see how they redeem that or how they 
change that over the course of the next couple episodes. But yeah. overall, really dig it. I think it's um, much better than I was expecting it to be. And John Cena, I think, is doing a great job, as is everybody. Everybody in that show is great. So. And real, yeah. real quick, before we leave shows, just because we're talking about shows, um, I finally started the second season of Raised by Wolves. And I don't know if we brought this up on the show before, but... It's it's a weird show, but I think it's done excellently. It's, we have never talked about the show. Oh, is it? I think it's Ridley Scott. I want to say. Um, uh, I don't know because it's a show, and it's kind of like a it's a sci-fi, and it's really dark, and it's never really funny. It's just a dark kind of sci-fi drama, um, and I really kind of like didn't like the ending of the first season, so I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. But then they do a really good job of re <clears throat> kind of resetting the whole world. Uh, for second season. So anyways, if anybody out there is interested in a new sci-fi series, um, I'm going to give a thumbs up to uh, Raised by Wolves. Cool, cool. I've, it's on my radar. Um, we don't have bandwidth for that right now, but once we wrap up a couple of other shows, we, it was it was one that we were considering. So if, I, uh, if I hit it. Yeah, it's dark. And it's got the guy from um, uh, Vikings in it, who I love. Reg okay. Regnar Lothbrook. Uh, if we get to that show, I will bring it back up and maybe we can talk about it on a future episode. Okay, let's talk about games now. Let's talk about games. All right, uh, Carlos, we're going to start off with you as we normally do. Guardian of Lore. We were sent a code uh, for this game, and I passed it on to you. I don't know anything about it. I think it's just like a 2D action game of some kind. I don't really have a lot of awareness of this one. Why don't you tell us about Guardian of Lore? Yeah, it's my round two games. I, I'm so frustrated because there's a really cool idea here. I just didn't like the gameplay. So I'll put that out there first. But what is the game and what is the pretty interesting idea? It's a, they call it a 2.5D, like move left to right uh, action-y game. They, they use words like RPG. It's not really RPG. It's more like an action-y game. Uh, moving left to right, platforming, 2.5D, meaning like kind of 3D sprites on 2D backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so you play as a prince and the prince basically learns about these different tales in these books. And then there's an amulet, and it makes the prince go into the books. And so the prince is essentially transforming and like living through these different scenarios, um, which I guess are from real history. Because it says, like, what's the, the tagline? Um, Save Latin American myths from within. And they also mentioned Native American myths, so I think some of them are Native American stories. Oh, I had myths. no idea it had any kind of um, real-world uh, myth tied to it. I thought it was just a regular fictional game. Yeah, it says it's like a distinct Native Latin American flavor, so I don't really know what that means, but it's probably based loosely on some mythologies. Um, and again, you're going into books to kind of do these battles, and as you go along, you can like fight with melee, and you can do magic, um, and that's generally the whole game. But I bounce because, one, you would go running for the hills when you look at the art. Because I just feel like you could screenshot or just look at some of the um, thumbnails or whatever right now. It's just, I don't know. It's very Not cartoon very booky, looking. like, a, like a, a child's book, you know, a children's book or something. Um, I just It just didn't work with me. Uh, but then when you get to the game itself, it's totally different style graphics. Uh, and I didn't mind them. I kind of dug the 2.5D on the backgrounds. But the problem with the gameplay is I didn't feel like the hit detection was very good. So, I know. Yeah, when I was, like, trying to do melee, I'm like, that's all you need to get right because that's, like, you know, pretty important. 
and all you're doing is going left to right and hitting things. So I felt like I was missing the the sprites that I was trying to hit sometimes, mm. or they were like you know getting me when they shouldn't have. Gotcha. Uh, and the last thing I didn't like is that to do spells, which are kind of like fireballs, etc., you'd have to hit a button combo. Like it sh- it shows up on the screen all of a sudden, like hit circle, box circle, or you know, or whatever. Like like a little QTE sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, QTE thing exactly. And and when you're in the thick of it, I just kept eating shit with that, you know. Ah. Uh. Um, but the spells were cool, like fireballs from the sky and like, you know, really cool spells. It's just that every time I had to do the QTE thing, I just, you know, I wasn't good at it. Um, so anyways, I like the concept. I did bounce, as you say, uh, just because I was so frustrated with some of the, you know, the gameplay wasn't working the way I wanted it to. Uh, yeah, but the cool concept to go back into books and, you know. Uh, I like anything that has to do with Native Americans or Latin America. It's interesting, but I think I'm going to pass. All right. Well, you know, I mean, mechanics are something that every game really has to nail. I mean, that's kind of like the core part of, especially an action game like that. And if you feel like the hit detection is not great and you're having some issues doing the spells, I mean, that to me just sounds like general playability stuff. But, you know, we're always up for exploring these other mythological pantheons i mean we don't get a lot of stuff from south america or even you know anything like that so if we we got more games of that kind i'd be definitely up for that but yeah you got to nail the gameplay though i know yeah that's the thing it's like i always want to be like rooting for you know anything that tells a different story so yeah for sure um, i will just at some point go back in because maybe i'm just putting this out there maybe like level two or whatever you know i get further in um maybe the my weapon in the beginning sucked you know, but at the sure. same time, I, I feel like it still should have hit more things yeah. than it did. All right. Well, OK, sounds like a miss on Guardian of Lore. Uh, let's keep it with you just for like one more uh, one more round here, Carlos. Tears of what? Avia? Avia? Either what is this one. one about? Yeah, Either I don't way, know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Whatever way it goes. Doesn't matter. Whatever way. Uh, yeah. So this one is more of a, a, a connect and not a miss for me. Um, I've been looking at this for a while. It, you always have these games that are kind of on your radar or in your wish list. And I kept meaning to pick this up. Uh, it was on sale or something. I think it was like $13 or something. Um, so I really, really like this game. So what this is is a turn-based strategy game with tactics. They use RPG. Again, you can upgrade stuff, but it's more of just like a tactics game uh, than anything else. Uh, okay. And so what it is is essentially you um, have a character, there's a hub world, and you can recruit other characters, and essentially you have to recruit other characters. It's like you have a party of people, and you meet them all at the bar one time, and then you kind of pick uh, which ones that will go out on missions with you. I think there's like five slots, and I think there's six heroes, so you leave one at home. Which, by the way, I feel bad for that person. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're all going except you. Except for you. Yeah. I didn't think of their feelings. Oh, well. Um, and, you, you know, have like your traditional magic user, your healer, your thief, your, you know, uh, person who uses a bow and arrow. All that stuff. Archer is what the name of that is. And uh, you go out on missions, right? So you have a hub world at the town. There's shops there. And then you go out on missions. And... I was surprised by this is how the gameplay worked, but then I was like pleasantly surprised by it later because I'm playing a lot of other very overly complicated games. In the hub world, you pick like, okay, let's go to the next thing, which is a story mission. We have to go to this hut and talk to this person. You just go directly to that hut 
do the combat, and then you come back home. So there's, so there's no exploration. No, there's no that. exploration, but it somehow works really well because the tactics sometimes in the RPGs, you know, can go on for a long time. Like sure. it's a long uh, strategy, you know, mission thing. So, but that's, this is, you know, that's all you're doing and it's kind of relaxing. It was like a relaxing game, almost like what we just said earlier, like playing something for 15 minutes. I'm still playing this because it is that kind of relaxing, hey, let me go do a new mission. I just upgraded my shit. A lot an RPG. Um, we have new abilities and powers, and now I'm going to go, you know, to the next map essentially. And then when you get to the map, you deploy all your characters, and then you just start a, a you know standard tactics strategy game battle. And, gotcha. and then when you win, you go back home. So there might be another hub world at some point, but it seems like that's the gameplay loop because I'm pretty far in now. And are uh, there any um, any hooks to the combat? I mean, I play a lot of turn based strategy. It's one of my favorite genres. Um, but there's a lot of them that just are just kind of just real vanilla, right? Like I really like the ones that bring something new to the table. Um, I'm looking at this one online as we're talking about it. The artwork is really turning me off. I don't like this like generic anime look to it, but yeah, it, it does do, have that. Yeah. Yeah. Super generic anime, but I do like the idea of just, uh, you know, all killer, no fillers, get me to the battles, let's do the battles. Cause that's really the fun part of any strategy RPG. Um, I mean, but is it just like super standard combat? Is there any twists or, or uniqueness to the combat? Well, I'm glad you asked because one, it does have a little layer of RPG in the fact that again, you can upgrade your characters. Um, and I mean, get that's in other tactics games, but the abilities are quite different, right? They're kind of like flashy moves and not just like, Oh, I have more armor now. Right. It's like, no, you just learned fire hand, you know? <laughs> so I think that's the short answer is that there's more abilities, you know, that you learn. And right. then the other thing that's just straight up weird and a little broken which, by the way, that's kind of a theme for a lot of the games I played this week, uh, is is a little broken, is they do sometimes Final Fantasy-esque, like, cutscenes for moves. Oh, for, like, like big summon yeah, yeah, yeah. cutscenes or something? And, okay. and you can skip it or whatever. But, like, they're funny. They're kind of, like, ridiculous. Like, there's one guy who just, he, he only uses his fists, and he's just, like, a fisticuffs guy. And he does like a special, you know, flying fist. And he goes jumping into the air and all those anime lines, you know. And he's like, choom, choom, choom. And he like hits him. There's an explosion. There's like air coming out behind the bad guy. And I'm like, and then he does like 100 damage. And you're like, that's not that much damage. But um, So, yeah, it's kind of out of place almost in a way, but it's fun. And so I would say that's the thing that makes this a little different is that they have those kind of crazy moves you can keep upgrading your character with. Um, but again, it's just relaxing to me. Like, I really like it. I think it was worth the $13. Like it's a fun, relaxing strategy game. And yeah, the arts, you know, you know, regular and you've seen it before, but I'm not playing it for that. I'm just playing it because I can go right to a tactics thing and beat it. And then, you know, upgrade. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is tears of Avia, I guess. And where are you playing this on PlayStation? On PlayStation four. Yeah. I think it might still be on sale. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, let me talk for a minute about a game that's just about to drop pretty soon. It is currently unreleased as of the recording, but the embargo for discussing it is up. It's called Castle Morihisa, M-O-R-I-H-I-S-A. I didn't know anything about this until I got an email from PR, and it kind of looked like my jam. It's kind of a 2D card-based deck builder roguelite, which has a lot in common with slay the spire you, you played slay the spire yeah yeah Carlos? yeah this is like like no disrespect to anybody okay i'm not here to call people out i'm not here to make enemies but like 
this game is heavily inspired by Slay the Spire um, in many ways. Systems, general setup, I mean, like basic approach. I mean, as I was playing this, I was like, oh, it's Slay the Spire with like a Japanese skin on it. Because that's, I mean, it's it, that's very dismissive and reductive, right? But like, that's that's all I would think about as I was playing it. But that's not a bad thing because I actually really do love Slay the Spire, uh, mostly. Uh, so getting another take on that, I think is pretty cool. Um, in terms of story, no real story. I, I don't know that there is a story. It's just like you start the game uh, with either a samurai or a magic user, I believe. They each have their own different kind of attacks, which are mapped to cards. Um, you get a, a very small deck at the beginning. And then as you go from encounter to encounter on a map, um, you have choices on the map. You can usually pick uh, between a couple different locations. Pick one. You go there. It'll be a treasure it'll be a blacksmith to improve your weapons it'll be a resting place or it'll be an enemy uh you fight the enemies uh using your cards you know sword swipe uh fireball whatever whatever very straightforward um combat um all the systems i think will be immediately familiar to anybody who's played slay the spire or any other deck building kind of roguelike um of this kind of this genre um i will say that i really like the art i think the art is real sharp um, not a lot of animation, but that's okay. I think the art is pretty good. Um, I, I like that um, most of the systems are pretty straightforward for the most part. Um, one part where it doesn't hold up to Slay the Spire is that there's a few things where you'll see a word on screen where you're like, oh, I don't know what this word means. Like, it'll be like, oh, this enemy has, I don't know, whatever, some kind of quality to it. And in Slay the Spire, one of the things that I loved most about that game and was most brilliant about that game was you could move your cursor around literally anything on the screen. And if you hovered, it would tell you what that thing was. Like, you know, what the status was, what the power did, like how to use it or whatever. So, like, you never had to really remember what was going on because you could just, like, mouse over something and it would say, oh, yeah, reminder, this is what this thing does and this is what this thing does. They do almost the same thing here. Like, like they go, like, 85% of the way towards it. But I did find a few things where I'm like, I don't know what this means and I don't know how to find that information. So when you're playing a card game that really depends on making good choices, having all the available information is really key. Um, but, you know, they do a pretty good job. It's not a terrible job. Um, I think the weapons and attacks and stuff didn't really feel super different. I felt like I was kind of doing the same run over and over and over. Um, but again, a lot of this is like dependent on what you pick up, like what you find. I mean, it's a roguelike, so you're not going to do the same run every time. But I did feel like I was kind of playing the same run every single time. It didn't feel that different to me. Um, and it did feel, I don't know, like, like difficult, but not in the same way that Slay the Spire is difficult. I felt like I was not able to complete a run uh, because I just like the enemies were just really tough. Like they were doing like a lot of damage and I didn't really know um, great ways to mitigate that. Right. Like I was like playing the cards as best I could with the knowledge that I had. And I, you know, I, yeah, I did multiple runs and I just. I just felt like it was kind of this war of attrition where I was just taking more damage than I was giving out and I didn't really have a good way to really effectively heal and I didn't have a lot of cards that really helped me out in that way. So I don't know if it was about maybe maybe something I missed. Maybe I just need to learn the systems a little bit better or maybe the game needs a little bit of balancing or something. But I felt like basically every combat was kind of a tough slog and I just just didn't have what it takes to uh, to get that game wrapped up. I liked mm. it. Um, but it does, it does feel like it needs a little bit more time in the oven and, uh, it's good though. It's good. I think that Slay the Spire is mining some good territory and Slay the Spire is not perfect by any means. I mean, I love that game, but I also kind of hate it. 
And I would love to play a better version of that. And I feel like Castle Morihiso was trying for that. So I bet, in you know, I feel like a broken record for saying this, but I bet in six months this will be a much better game. And I, I really like what they're starting out with, though. I think it starts strong, um, different, you know, vibe in terms of, like, aesthetics and stuff. But if you like Slay the Spire, I think you'll definitely enjoy Castle Morihisa. And I'm looking forward to maybe checking it out in six months to see, you know, if it's more playable, more balanced. Yeah, and I'm always looking for a game like this. And very few times do I enjoy it because it's roguelike as well. But I did like Slay the Spire as well. Um, there's a demo out right now for Steam as well. Oh so. yeah, there you go. Jump in, see what it's all about. Definitely get a flavor for it. So I think it's I think it's good. I think it's definitely on the right track. It just didn't set me on fire, um, and I didn't really stick with it too long because I felt like difficult and not enough for me to sink my teeth into. But I think in six months it'll probably be in good shape. So. All righty. All right. That is Castle Morihisa. I was playing it on the Switch, and you just mentioned it's on PC. Yep. Um, Let's go back to you, Carlos. Ali Ali World uh, is coming out pretty soon. The embargo for impressions is up, which is why you are talking about it right now. We did receive a code for this, which I passed on to you for the purposes of talking about it, which we are literally doing. So Ali Ali World, there's been a couple Ali Ali games before. Um, 2D kind of skateboarding sort of games. Um, they're kind of neat. They're kind of cool. Not my jam, but I have played them in the past. But this is supposed to be a big expansion on that formula. So I'm very curious, Carlos, what is Ali Ali world and what does it bring to the table yeah I think uh, we were mentioning before the show I had tweeted when I first started playing it uh, that it, it was a delight yeah you said it was a delight I said it was a delight so I'm going to put an asterisk next to that delight because oh there's, man there's definitely an asterisk um, so overall Ali Ali world is a like gen- in general a 2D uh, style skating skateboarding game where you do tricks very very simply so basically like pull the left analog stick down let go of it, and you've done an ollie, right? Uh, you do it in a different direction, and now you've done a kickflip. And you do want to do a grind. You just go up in the air, and then when you're near a thing you could grind, just push down. It's, like, super easy. Okay. But like the originals, um, this game has that thing where it seems easy, difficult or easy to learn, difficult to master, because then the levels usually throw a bunch of stuff at you pretty quickly. And so if you're going fast, left to right, and you uh, are doing these tricks, even though they're simple, you've got to get them right. Because if you hit, get hit once or fall once, it's game over, which Oof. is annoying yeah. unless you have checkpoints. And I think the originals had checkpoints as well. So this one has checkpoints as well. But sometimes the checkpoint is pretty far down the road, right? Um, so if you don't get to that checkpoint, you're starting from the beginning, which could be annoying. Or it could also make you better, right? It does make you better at the kind of commands. But just the quick overview is it's similar to Ali Ali uh, and, and other games that have done this, which is like 2D skateboarding with a few moves. But what they do and what they've got to get, I think, better at, in my opinion, uh, talking about the asterisks, is either more checkpoints or just kind of like that fail state. Uh, maybe you like start blinking for a minute and then you just pick up your board and keep going. But the idea of going back a lot in parts of the level is pretty maddening. Um, in general, though, let's talk about the game itself. It, it's it's better than the original Ali Ali's because it is this kind of full blown world, which is like four different or five different continent areas, and there's like branching paths on the uh, you know 3D Mario or um, what's it called Mario Three kind of map, okay, where you like look down, top down, looking down, and you can go this way, you can go that way. 
Um, so it's got that kind of map. The art is beautiful, and I think that's why I called it a delight. Um, 2D, you know, animation, cell animation style, uh, cartoons, essentially. They look like uh, Adventure Time, very much like Adventure Time. Okay. Um, wonderful characters, a lot of great representation. You meet a, a group of characters immediately, and you're like the skateboarder who's going to basically talk to the skate gods because this game is about, like, I think four or five skate gods which of course created the world for some reason. And each world has like its own, you know, zany characters and different kind of like landscapes. And yeah, the world part is because it's this huge world that you kind of go through, um, you know, level by level, but then you can make these different, uh, what is it called? Like detours, right? So you'll meet a character. will be like, Hey, come over here when you're not doing something. And instead of going through the normal path, you can just take a detour and go over there. And there's maybe a more difficult map, but then you'll get some really cool prize for it. And by the way, you can really, really, um, it's a great player creation, you know, setup where you can really kind of make you any, any kind of person you want, um, any type of body type as well. And, you know, lots of great customization there. So then when you do like these little side missions, essentially, you can get new skateboards or new hats and stuff like that. Um, so that's the, the general idea of it. Again, looks beautiful. A couple the uh, parts of the asterisks. One, I don't know why, and maybe because it just came out, but in the main cutscene that you kind of talk to your friends in, everything in the background is smooth as shit, like beautiful, smooth animation. But the characters themselves, the main NPCs, mm-hmm. their, their animation stutters. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I'm playing on Xbox, so maybe it's a patch thing. But I was like, how is this possible? Because everything else looks beautiful. And literally in the same scene, there's like people in the background like running around and they, it's all like 60 frames per second. Beautiful, you know. But the main characters you talk to, stutter, their animation stuttering. I don't know what that is about. Hmm. Uh, and again, the biggest actress is what I just, you know, led with, which is I got pretty far through the tutorials. I learned about a bunch of different tricks and grinds. Uh, I felt you get in the Zen moment which we play games like that where like you're just doing all the right moves and it feels good. And then I got to parts where I just ate shit like over and over and over again. And I didn't get to the save point and I rage quit because I was like, well, I can't enjoy this fun, beautiful world because I'm stopped. You know, I'm, I'm stopped. That uh, kind of reminds me of uh, the, the previous Ollie Ollie games. I mean, I, I um, like I said, I kind of dipped into them a little bit. But that was kind of my experience with those as well, where they look cool. I like the idea of kind of a small scale skating game, um, real simple in 2D. But they, they, I mean, they really seemed to my memory to really demand perfection and a lot of like really quick reflexes. And I just, it just never clicked with me. I never was able to really get in the zone with it and I got kind of tired of like redoing those levels and just failing over and over and over. So I was wondering if they were going to like dial back on that and make it a little easier. It doesn't sound like it though. No. And that's what I thought, man. That's why I was so excited. Cause I, I was hoping that they, they would do exactly what you just said, which is like, you know, maybe, I don't know, just be more forgivable, you know, or forgiving when it comes to those crashes. And secondly, they do add a couple of things like, you know, multiple paths within the same run, so, like, say you, you push left or right, or I think you hit X on the Xbox controller, and you can go to a different track, right? So, like, you go to the left all of a sudden, and now you're in a totally different kind of uh, obstacles and stuff. If, if, unless you would have stayed on the main path, it would have been a bunch of different obstacles, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yes, gotcha. Um, so they added that, and I was like, oh, cool. Maybe like one track is easier, or one track is, you know, like if you just want to mainline it and don't go through all these different jumps. But no, they're both just as hard. Like they just both like feels like too much is coming at you at once. Um, yeah. And then here's the other part of the world thing. Each uh, section has things like, you know, collect a bunch of stars or bananas. Uh, and then if you didn't do that, go back to the run and do it all over again. Or, you know, do different types of things within it. Earn, you know, bonus points and earn, um, you know, collectibles and stuff like that. So it, that, that was fun when I was, like, doing well. You know, I was like, oh, I'll go back and, you know, do a few more of these kind of mini goals. But, like I said, I got to a part. It was, pat- I think it's, yeah, I want to say it's still in the tutorial. I hope. No, no. Hopefully what? it's not. No, no, no. It's past it. It's past the tutorial. Yeah. And uh, and I was feeling real good about myself, and then I just ate shit too many times in a row. And it's one of those games where I, I you know, I'm not giving up fully because I will come back to it. Uh, similar to Dark Souls or something, where you go like, oh, I'll come back and maybe beat that section. So maybe I'll come back and and it'll be fine. But I think they missed. It was a missed opportunity though to do what you said. Uh, which is like just make it either a little bit more forgivable or like um, just change the mechanics a smidge, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but it just seems like perfection, like you said, and speed. And I don't want that because it's like such a fun world to skate, <laughs> you yeah. know? And the characters are really fun to talk to. Uh, and there's story elements. And I was like, I want to learn about the skate gods. But if you won't let me get past this last, you know, screen... Or like, say you like fail like fifteen times, right? It just goes like pass, you know. These developers, um, I forget their names. Is it Roll Seven? Is that right? Uh, yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, I, that may be wrong, but I think it's Roll Seven. Oh, um, okay. They they tend to be like the kind of like um, mechanically demanding uh, developers. I mean, I, like I said, I haven't played this one. I've played the other Ollie Ollie games. I found them both to be a little bit too demanding for my taste. And they have put out, I think, one or two platform action games. Those were like equally demanding where you just had to like really get in a lot of like die and repeat a lot of like fast action. And I just I like what they do. I like their ideas, but they just it just is like not fun for me. Like I just need them to like ease back a little bit. So, you know, I guess I just am not, uh, you know, not get good enough for their their development. Uh, well, but yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's what's frustrating because it's again, they build really cool worlds and characters. Yeah. Yeah. I just was hoping that that's what this would be, and I'm unfortunately telling you that it's not. By the way, also, Private Division, who I like, uh, they acquired uh, Roll7. Oh, did they? Yeah, because okay. I saw their logo pop up on this game, and I was like, what? How do they? So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, anyways, it's kind of a mini pass for me, but I will bring it back to the show because I'm going to go back to that board and see if I can beat it. But I just imagine bosses, though, dude. I'm going to be crying. You know, yeah. it's gonna be right. like, here's, here's your boss level. You'll never beat it ever. See you later. I'm glad you brought this one up because I was kind of looking at it. I was, I was hoping for the, a kinder, gentler yes. Ollie Ollie, but it does not sound it's like that. Not that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Um, I was going through my backlog the other day on the switch. I have a really ridiculous, uh, switch backlog. And I'm like, you know, I just, I just want to play something new, not necessarily new as in terms of release, but just new something I haven't played before. I was just looking for something. That was going to fit the bill, um, you know, and I just was like just scrolling through things and I'm like, oh, OK, here's one I bought. Like, I don't even know when it's called Blood Will Be Spilled. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. I'm looking it up. Um, so this is a 2D hand drawn. It's kind of interesting. It's like a platformer, action platformer, but it's also like a turn based tactics game mashed together. 
Um, the premise is that you are okay. So this is you gotta stay with me for a minute here. So it's like you are <laughs> a cowboy in the old west. You know, saloons, shootouts at high noon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you're also a mosquito, and everybody in the world is like a bug. So you're like Western bugs, Got which it. I thought was a really strange mashup, but I feel like it worked. It's kind of cool. Um, so what happens is you start the game, you're out to uh, bounty hunt some bug who's on the run or something, and it's 2D, so you're like you're doing jumping platforms, you're climbing places, you're doing very, very light puzzle solving. I hesitate to even say it's puzzling. Like you'll get to a gate that's locked. But then you got to find the lock and shoot it and just keep going. I mean, it's not really a puzzle. It's just kind of like a momentary barrier or something. So that part was was okay. Totally fine. Uh, and then there's a small little hub. You can talk to people in the saloon. you got a little home base. Uh, you can upgrade your guns and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool too. Like, I'm, I'm down with this so far. Uh, and then when you get to a conflict, every time you, like, uh, explore far enough, you'll hit some bad guys who are, like, standing around. Or maybe you'll get to the boss's uh, area or something like that. The whole game stops and it goes to a 2D turn based and yet still kind of using like sort of um, physics and stuff. It reminds me a lot of the uh, the SteamWorld game that came out a while. Was it? Uh, yeah, Heist. Because that's SteamWorld what... Heist. Yeah, yes, yes. I saw it's that. Very similar to SteamWorld Heist. Thank you. Where you have uh, your character who's got a gun and you can shoot and you're kind of like you're playing the angles, right? Can I can I shoot this guy who's on a platform a little bit further down the screen? Am I at a good angle for that? You can also get like a ricocheting bullet. So then you're like, okay, well, how can I ricochet my bullet to hit this guy? Uh, and you kind of go back and forth. Like there'll be like two or three enemy bugs and they're running around the screen trying to get the drop on you. They're above you or they're to the side of you. And you got to like take cover and then keep in mind about like what your angles for shooting are. You also have to like reload in the middle. You got a six shooter. So you got to be mindful of that as well. And the really fun thing is that if you get close enough to a guy to do melee damage, if he's like full health, You'll pull out a little knife and stab him, and that's all right. But if you if he's low health, what you do is you get right up to him. Um, you've got you're wearing like a bandana because it's the old west, right? But if he's low health, you pull down your bandana, and your mosquito proboscis comes poinging out, and you stab him, and you just suck all his blood out of his body. Oh, it's like a regular nice. mosquito. It's really fun. It's really cute. So I really like what this game is doing. Good blend of elements. The turn-based stuff works really well. It's really fun. I think the platforming stuff was fine. Does what it needs to do if not exceptional. Having a hub was nice and having characters to talk to, that was great. This is all very good stuff. Except... Oh, there's the butt. There's the butt. And it's not in the design. It's about the, um, the QA. Uh, it's ironic to say that this game about bugs died because it has too many bugs, but that's exactly what happened. Uh -huh. um, I was playing this game, really having a great time, really enjoying this game a lot. And what ended up happening was every once in a while when the enemy AI was taking their turn, it would just hang. Like they just would not make a decision about what they were doing forever. And so I would uh, be stuck and you couldn't just exit the level. Like you had to actually close the game. Like the whole game would freeze. And if you close the game, you lose all your progress and the save points could potentially be a fair way back. Um, if you die as you're playing, no big deal. But if you shut off without getting to like a big hard save, like, I lost, like, all my level progress a couple times, mm. and I'm like, I like this game a lot, but I'm not going to play a game where I'm constantly worried about losing my level progress. So, unfortunately, I had to bounce, which is a shame. It is a shame because I think this game is cute. I think it's clever. I really like the blend of elements. I was having a great time with it, but time is precious, and if I'm losing, like, half an hour, 45 minutes of time, that's, that's an absolute no-go for me. So, I hate to say it, 
really hate to say it, but blood will be spilled. I mean, I bounced because I just couldn't put up with the, the, the freezing and the hangups and the glitches. But other than that, maybe it runs better on PC. I don't know. But really liking it, it was a, it was going to be a thumbs up until I hit those glitches. So I'm really, really sad about that. Man, you have to come back to it, though, right? Because they might update it. Nah, that game came out a while ago. Oh, if it's not fixed right. by now, it's not going to be fixed. Yeah. So that's All a shame. Right. Real shame. Anyway, really bummed because I liked it. But blood will be spilled. I had to get rid of it. I just couldn't deal. So All right. Anyway, uh, over to you, Carlos, for one of the biggest games of the year so far. I realize it's only February, but I, I have to feel like this one is going to be a very notable title this year, Dying Light 2, Stay Human. I was a huge fan of the first Dying Light. I love that. I know you played quite a bit of Dying Light uh, original one as well. I think we both are fans of this game. Uh, very curious about this one, but I know that that new Elden Ring is coming up soon, and I didn't want to be neck deep in Dying Light when Elden Ring came out, so I'm going to hold off. But you jumped right in. You jumped in with both parkour feet, Yes. and you are playing Dying Light 2, so why don't you fill us in? Yeah, it's a lot to say. I'll try to keep it uh, a little short because I will bring, bring it back to the show uh, later, of course. It's a pretty big game. You might have heard. Over 500 hours. We joked about that, yeah. Um, I think the main campaign is about 40, really, truly. Uh, and then you can keep doing a gazillion side missions. And I can already see that happening because as soon as I started, it was like, oh, there's like eight things I could be doing. Um, well, first off, let's just say there was a weird thing with the embargo. It was a tiered embargo, which I've never heard of. Or like, in what sense? Certain content creators could like give the review early, and certain ones couldn't. Um, oh, really? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I heard something about that. It's just uh, that seemed weird to me. Um, not a big deal. But yes, both of us played Dying Light. We liked it. I played. I think the DLC. I think there was a couple of DLCs probably. Um, I liked it, but we both had the same problem of uh, the ending of Dying Light. Minor spoiler: it's uh, a QTE. Remember? Yeah, the boss battle. Boss it's battle like you have parkour, yeah. freedom, and then the very last battle is like this like wonky QT. Yeah, kind of a bummer. I hope that doesn't happen in this one. But um, that was kind of the only bummer. Uh, I think in general, yeah, I just really liked it. I remember the night in that game being like super, super difficult. And essentially, like they didn't want you to be out at night, right? That was scary shit, dude. Scary I never shit. went out at night. Yeah. So this game kind of flips that a little bit. It says, hey you don't really want to be out at night sometimes and it's much difficult, much more difficult when you're on the streets at night, but certain sections you actually have to go out at night. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was yeah. like that too. In the original, there was like maybe two or three missions where you had to go out at night and I did those. But other than that, man, I stayed indoors. Right. But I'm saying it's a even different in this one because uh, first off night is actually a little bit more like you can see better in, in nighttime and dying light too. Uh, How's that? Because it's just like they did better with like lighting, like lights that are around. You have a flashlight. I don't know. For some reason, I'm. I think the gamma or something is just higher. You're. You have to do more missions out at night. Uh, okay. Not just like a few, but it's like there's a lot of uh, you know Far Cry Six style or Far Cry style like things you can do, right? Like unlockable stuff, but they're only available at night. Like here's gotcha. an, here's an example, and then we'll jump into the game, but. Like there's these certain uh, buildings uh, that basically the monsters, the, the zombies, uh, they go to the streets at night, right? So they're not in the buildings at night. So as long as you get your flashlight, flashlight, you go in there. There's hardly any zombies in there, and you can actually find some good, valuable stuff. Oh, okay. But so you, like you're you're going into their den when they're gone. Like yeah, nobody's home. Gotcha. And what's weird, on the flip side, is you go in those buildings in the daytime. They're all in there, but they're sleeping. 
And so you have to be creeping around unless you just want to start fighting a million zombies. Can you like stealth kill them when they're sleeping? You can stealth kill them when they're sleeping, but then remember, you can't be too loud. And you know, if you're in the middle of like five of them, you won't want to kill one of them. Uh, so you could get one like that's off in distance or something. But yeah, you can do stealth kills. So those dynamics are different. But in general, what is the game? You play as a main character, uh, Aiden, which is a terrible name because I think that's the name from Watch Dogs, right? It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. And the biggest problem, I think, one of the biggest problems I have is the main character is just boring, like really super boring. And I wrote this down in my notes. No more Troy Baker, please. Um, oh, no. Is he, is he's he the, the main guy. And I have oh, to spend that sucks. That how many sucks. hours in this game with him now? Uh, and he he just sounds like Troy Baker. It's just Troy Baker. And so I don't I want uh, developers to listen. Give other voice actors a fucking job. Gosh damn it! I don't want to go into too much of a tangent, but I'm just fucking sick of it. Anyways, yeah, there's there's more people than Troy Baker. There's there. a lot fucking more. Anyways, so I don't like that. That you know your main guy is is nondescript. He's got a little backstory about he's trying to find somebody, but none of it seems really interesting you know, his life. Sure. Um, no customization besides, you know, the, the, the gear you bring, uh, pick up and stuff and the, the different weapons you have, they do show up in your character, but, uh, yeah. And so in general, it's first person. So you don't really see it though. Do you, you don't, but you see it on the menu screen and then you can see it on your body a little bit when you're okay. doing parkour and stuff. All right. Um, so what is the game? Yeah. The game is this massive world where you go to different cities. The verticality is everything. There's really, really tall buildings. Uh, you basically are staying at the tops of buildings, similar to Dying Light. Uh, in this one, there's even more like uh, kind of life on top of the buildings, like people having little mini towns and gardens and, you know, a whole slew of things on tops of buildings. The parkour is probably the best thing still, uh, if, if not even better. I love it. It's really, really fun to do. It's a little weird on controller. I'm playing on PlayStation, so you have to hit that right one button. I think that's how it was in Dying Light 1. Uh, to do what? To, to do anything like jump or parkour. Oh. It's like right one. And so it's a little weird in your mind uh, to kind of like, you know, remember that. But gotcha. Um, yeah. So you're doing parkour. You're doing melee combat. Later on in the game, I think there's a couple like projectile weapons. But in general, you're doing melee, which I love. That's another reason I jumped into this with both parkour feet. Uh, so I like a lot of the gameplay. It's fun. I think nighttime, like I said, is easier in quotes. Uh, the only thing that sucks at nighttime is, and I think the first game had this too, but the ones like they're called howlers in this, where if they see you, they'll scream. And once that happens, a chase starts. And chases are no fun to me in this game, which is like you've basically got to run away from everybody attacking you. Are these, are these scripted or is it just like wherever you happen to be, all of a sudden a chase breaks out? Yeah, so basically like if one of these howlers yells and and you know you alerted them uh then the chase happens and it's like you have to get to a certain area to end this chase and i just hate it because it reminds me of the sections in one dying light one where you you just had to run away there's never ever a chance that you would like be able to fight right and this is that feels that same way but i guess to their credit you could like not you know anger the howlers and they don't see you and you get to fight zombies out in the street at night you know, and it's fine. So there's kind of, it's kind of a double-edged sword there. Uh, so that chase thing still happens. And every time it happens, I like cry. <laughs> I like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm like, just, you actually, you know what I've done is I've just stood in the middle of the street and just let them eat me. 
fuck are you kidding? So okay. Oh yeah, because so, I don't want to so do there, it. I don't want to run. So it's not scripted. Just like it's like you, if you get caught, then you have to do a chase. But it's not like every time I go to this one level, there's no, got to be a no, chase no, no, there no. every yeah, single yeah. time. Yes, that's what you mean by no. That's not it. It's like where you happen to be if you get caught by one of these screamers. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 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 And then you're going. You, you know, it's it's kind of fun the first time because you're like, oh, if I parkour the right way and get back to the home base and I end the chase. And you get experience points and stuff like that. But I just don't want to do them ever. So almost every time I've been playing this game, I exclusively go to the bed and wait till the morning. And like, unless it's something I really have to do at night. So Yeah, that's kind of how I was playing the first Dying Light. It's like, I'll do my stuff during the day. And then if anything really awful happened, I would just go home and just like sleep and do the next day. And I try to avoid nighttime as much as yeah. possible. So it sounds kind of stressful. I want to ask you, though. So this is a big game, as as the developers have said. Um, and I, I, I really like the first one, so I'm looking forward to getting into this. But in terms of like all that content that they were kind of boasting about at first, I mean, are the side quests, I mean, are we talking about, I'm guessing you've got your main story quests. I'm guessing there's also probably like, you know, probably fairly significant secondary quests. But is there a lot of like randomly generated, like bogus, like go to this point and pick up a random doodad and come back like garbage quests or like, what is, what is the side content like? No, so far it's all very thought out. Like, I mean, I think the best part of this game and I'll get into a little bit more of the workings of it in a minute, but is that it does feel like a livable, breathable world. And it feels like, you know, uh, the extension of what they built in dying light one, but like the first one of the first side missions I did, which was easily available and, and they do a very good job of like, this is a level one side mission, you know, and so you, sh- mm-hmm. you can't do the level two one yet, or you shouldn't. The level, the first level one side mission I did was a school where a bunch of kids are being taught like history, because obviously history's been fucked because of the you know apocalypse, and you have to like go to a monument where a bunch of people died, and like light a candle, but when you go there, you're basically just like learning about what happened. Um, now you've got to like run through a bunch of zombies to get there and it's, you know, mayhem before you, you kind of settle down. But when you're there, you're protected and you can just kind of like learn about, you know, this past. And then you go back and you like, you tell the kid or something. So like that felt different, you know, it didn't feel like just like go get this thing and bring it back to me. Okay. Um, and then there's another one where I was doing something with the garden. Uh, there's some weird, funny ones. Like I, I helped the woman like make her, um, perfume she wanted to make. She was like, I'm going to make a new perfume, but I need metal parts and some other things that didn't make sense. And, uh, and by the way, the, the end of that minor spoiler is that she makes a perfume or cologne that smells like a new car smell. <laughs> and so that was just kind of like a you know jovial one. So sure, yeah, sure. there's there's probably like a gazillion of those. Okay, um, but they don't they don't they don't they do not sound randomly generated though, right? No, like, no, no. That's no, kind no, of no. what I was afraid no, of, no, no. like those you know those radiant quests in like. Um, what is that stupid game that everybody loves? Uh, the one Elder Scrolls. What's the one? The uh, one in the. Come on, what's the big one? The uh, uh, Dragon. 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 Keep. I don't know what you're Jesus. talking about, dude. The Elder Scrolls game, the one that everybody plays, the one that everybody. Skyrim. Plays. Skyrim. Yes. Oh, jeez. How do you Fuck not know Skyrim? Because my I'm 46 fucking years old. That's why I don't know what Skyrim is. Because my brain is rotting inside my skull. Okay. Anyway, they had those um radiant quests where it's like you could effectively play it forever because the game would keep randomly generating oh, these like right. okay. you know like yeah. oh there's a guy who just randomly pops in the forest and he wants to get a doodad but those were garbage right they was, those were just like complete time wasters uh, but it doesn't sound like that's what's going on here right? no 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 and also by the way one of the I wrote this down too one of my first side missions was I met uh, Carlos 
a character named Carlos. <laughs> and I was like already in a kind of a down phase that night, you know, like starting it. I was just feeling bad about myself and my content creation and stuff like that. My sketches. I'm like, I'm no good. You know, everybody has those kind of days. Sure, we all do. And then the character Carlos is like, I'm no good. No, <laughs> He's wow. like, I don't think That's... I'm good at anything. And can you help me be good at one thing? And by the way, spoiler, it doesn't go well. He still does no, something no. bad. And so I was like, why are they showing me me? That's me. That's kind of meta. I wonder if your, uh, very your meta. console was listening to you in some way. It just changed it just for me. <laughs> um, I will say this. Here's a couple other things about the playability. So again, it's fun. Parkour's fun. Combat's fun. Combat's actually really fun at times. Like the way that you know physics happens with bodies when you hit them and uh, dodging's really fun. And it just gets more fun because you unlock a lot more parkour combat moves and now it's like even more fun to me because i just unlocked like a strong attack which i think maybe probably should have been in the beginning but um just if you are having fun with it you'll have more fun with it as you go on with the the combat but here's the other thing is that thing i hate one of the only things i hate in this game and i mean i despise this i don't know why the fuck they did it but all the weapons have durability which you know i hate sure None of them can be repaired. It, oh, really? You can't fix them? Unless you install a mod. So you have to install a mod, and then that weapon can be repaired, but otherwise the weapon breaks and that's it? And, asterisk to that even, when you install the mod, it only repairs it to a certain amount that I don't even understand why. Like, it doesn't oh, repair man. it fully. And so I installed the mod on this weapon that I love, and, you know, early on in the game, you you need really good, strong weapons. And... um it didn't repair it fully. And I was like, that means at some point this weapon's fucking gone. So what that really means is every weapon is uh, almost like Halo is, uh, you know, what's it, expendable. Just disposable. Yeah, pick disposable. It up and yeah. Throw it away. Yeah. So, oh, that's a bummer, dude. I, uh, I'm not really down with that mechanic. I, I don't, hate I don't that don't mechanic. That. And, yeah. and they add so many different mods that, like, I had this, like, lightning blade, you know, and it had lightning yeah. on it. And I'm like, well, when that's gone, because I can't repair it, I have to buy and make another lightning thing, you know? So, you know, I don't know. I'd be curious to see because when that when that mechanic shows up in a game, I think it has the opposite effect on me. I think that what they I mean, I'm just guessing here, but I think that what they're trying to do is make you use everything you have because all of it's expendable. Right. But what I end up doing is using none of it because I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother. Right. Doing anything because it's just on a break and I'm just going to have to like get a new one. So I'm not going to worry about modding or I'm not going to worry about trying to get a better thing i'll just it, it it seems almost to like make me ignore that aspect of the game but if it was something i could keep i know if it was something that's going to be good then i'd be like yeah i'm gonna invest in this thing i'm gonna trick it out and get more batteries of my electric shock prod or whatever but it, instead i just kind of like ignore that part which i think i it does not work for me i do not like those mechanics there's definitely some uh you know i hate using the term but you you like it euro jank to this game right it's a smaller mm. team it's not a massive triple a you know studio and I love it still, you know, spoiler, I love it. I'm going to play it as soon as we're done with this podcast, right, after I finish eating. But it's got jank, not only just like Skyrim jank and Fallout jank and, you know, characters going into walls jank, but it's got things where you're like, well, that should have been done differently, you know? Like when you trade items or sell things, like you don't make much money. And uh, now all of a sudden I found all these other things I could sell, and now I have $4,000 when I had like zero. So like balancing is a bit off. Um, mm. and then things like that, like the melee, this is a game about melee. So like, just let me make an awesome thing I like and keep it. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't let me keep it because later on, yeah, maybe I will get like the one that has damaged 50, 
but like let me keep the regular one until then. So I mean, to me, I think the better way to do that is give me something else that looks more awesome than what I have, and I will naturally want to switch to that weapon. But in the meantime, let me keep what I like. Like, yeah. don't force me to change to something because it breaks. Like, I really just don't understand why they're so invested in that. Not just them, but I mean, a lot of developers are invested in yeah. that. And I just I just really don't like that as a mechanic. So. Well, here's two more things you're not going to like. And then I'll, I'll leave us with a, a positive okay. note. All so right. the two things I don't like left over is you have to um, essentially spam that pinging system to find resources everywhere. Because normally in a game where you have to ping, which you know what I mean by that? Where you just hit a button and then it tells you what's what you can pick up in the area. Yeah, exactly. And of course, it only has like a certain amount of time that it does it for, and then they go away, you know. But this game is very visually kind of like, hmm. It's colorful and beautiful, by the way. But there's a lot of inside buildings that look kind of, what's the word? Not bland, but nondescript, hard to see the difference between objects, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically, if you don't ping you won't you see know stuff. yeah uh, okay so gotcha. that's annoying because it's up in on the playstation it's right click right right click the analog the stick, stick? Yeah. oh no that's terrible and i haven't found a way to change it i don't I, th- I don't think there is a controller layout thing change uh i know there isn't because yeah i was trying to change the jump and parkour oh uh, that's awful so that, that i just gave up on essentially and now i know what some of the objects look like so i just you know go for that but i didn't want to do it all the time because it felt really annoying so that's kind of annoying and here is the last piece of annoying um to me, but I know what they were trying to do, but at night, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this was in the first game. At night, uh, you're infected. So were you infected in the first one? Yes, you were. You did have to eventually get cure, re-up your cure every now and then, I'm pretty sure. So in this one, though, as soon as it's nighttime, you're like meter, there's a little meter on the screen and says like, you have five minutes to, to deal with this or you have to take like some shit to ne- make sure you don't turn into a zombie. I don't think that was in the first one. Like a literal yeah. meter? I don't think there was a meter, but I think at some point it was like, oh, you're you need to get some cure or something. Yeah, I mean, it was part of it, but it wasn't it wasn't like an ever present threat the way that you're describing. Right. It's every night. So like anytime you're out at night, if it's dark, the meter starts up. Right. Unless you go near those neon things, which like protect you or lights or something, then you're okay. But then you have to you can take like mushrooms or so much other like like little inhibitors and they like put it away or keep it at bay. But it's like a countdown clock. And I don't like that. Uh, that sounds terrible. It is terrible. And here's the other thing that's terrible about it. Oh, if, no. if it's daytime and you just go into a building that's dark, it turns on uh, because it's man. dark. And and I was like, again, why did what's that for? Like that's that is unneeded tension for me that I don't I want to explore this open world. And like if I go into a dark area, the meter starts. Oh, dude, that sounds like you're already limiting the amount of fun I'm going to have with this game. I'm, I'm like, telling like, you, I, that's why we're doing the podcast. I'm honest oh, about geez. it. It does oh, suck. Um, that said, and here's my f- closing thoughts. It's still addictive as hell. Okay. Uh, you turn it on performance mode because you know we're in that stupid in-between window where you can only have performance or graphics. Uh, the graphics are still great. I don't think they change much if you turn it off and go to performance mode. I mean, uh, graphics mode. But, you know, I'm getting probably it feels like 60 frames most of the time. And in this kind of game, you need that. You know, parkour and everywhere. So I think it's fluid. I think it's more colorful than the first game. 
Uh, there's a lot, you know, it feels like a big world. It feels like really the verticality is really, really fun. Uh, it's also scary. I don't know if you remember this, but like when you're up on those high ledges, uh, it's pretty realistic. You know, you feel like nervous for your character. Feel vertigo from yeah, height. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just really, really like it's an addictive game. It feels like an Elex, right? It feels like uh, a Eurojank and the fact that like it's a labor of love. You know, the characters have issues. The story isn't like amazing, but it's this open world that you just want to keep doing things in. Um, and I just, I do, I do still love it. I really do really, really, I like it. I'll say I like it a lot. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's so put a pin it. in it for now. I yes. feel like there's a lot more to say. There is. You've I thought I'd try to do for... just like some of the, the, the highlights. Right. You know? Right. Right. I mean, you've been playing it for what, a day, two days, something like two that? Two days straight because it's okay. again, that's like, it's addictive as shit. All right, we will definitely come back to this. It's it's definitely something I want to play for sure this year. I haven't played it yet, so we will be talking about it at least one or two more times. Yeah, I'm sure once you get a little further in, you'll have some further thoughts. We'll come back to it. Uh, all right, so let's put a pin in that for now. Just one more quick game, then we're going to bounce here. I want to give a couple words to the company man playing this on Switch right now. Uh, it's from a developer that I've never heard of before. Maybe this is their first game. I don't know exactly. Basically, this is a 2D action platformer. Uh, where you play a person who's like, a, I don't know, a businessman, an office man, and you're in this company. It seems like you're in this giant skyscraper of that your corporation owns, and everybody in this company is just like crazy. Like the CEO is some kind of like weird power mad boss, and he like flies around. And as you're going through these 2D platforming levels, um, you'll you'll come across enemies, and the enemies are like other people in the company. There's like a guy who is carrying this giant stack of papers and he'll run into you if you don't hit him first there's a secretary who types on her uh i don't typewriter and then when she looks over at you she like breathes fire because she's you know kind of quote unquote like being rude to you or there's like um a guy who's like throwing i don't know paper clips or something at you so like every enemy in the game is like a a, a playoff of some office person that you would encounter Mm. um in the background i mean all the all the, the levels they look like you're inside an office the platforms are like made of like stacks of paper or like scattered papers. Um, you regain your life by drinking coffee at a coffee pot. Um, each level is like one floor of the building. So like you start off on the bottom floor and as you quote unquote work your way up, you're going to higher levels as you go. Um, it's all very, I mean, there's definitely a theme, right? So they're talking about, you know, corporate themes. You're talking about work themes, value of life themes. So that's fine. Um, I will say the graphics are very clean and very colorful and very appealing. And also the animation is quite good as well. It was kind of notably good. Like when I started playing, it kind of just grabbed me where I'm like, oh, wow, this is really pretty. Like this looks very, you know, like it just it grabbed my attention, like how good it looked. Like it's very beautiful. A lot of really good graphic work being done. So the artists are doing a great job. I think the the platforming feels tight and feels OK, except for you cannot aim your shots. Like when you get a when you quote unquote, fire off an email. You're literally firing off an email and it shoots somebody who's like ahead of you. Um, if you like that kind of stuff, there's a lot of that stuff here. So you can you can get your giggles on about that. But you can't really aim those shots very well. It's kind of just goes straight in front of you. And you can't duck. There's a lot of times when I wanted to duck, like to miss an incoming projectile or, you know, avoid some kind of danger. And you can't duck. So I think that's kind of a weird, weird omission. Um, but it, other than that, it feels okay. Um, action feels, you know, fairly good. The jumping is fairly good, but I will say, um, levels are pretty long, a little bit longer than I would like. And I feel like they're, 
is not enough of a hook here. It's 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 so close to being a really good hook, but it's like as the story begins, you don't really have a sense of your character. You don't really know why you're here. You don't really know what the status of this world is. Is this like in his head? Is he imagining this? Is this really how it is? You're kind of just like starting and you don't really have a good frame of reference for what's about to happen. So as you're swinging your keyboard and whacking people and quote unquote firing off emails and blowing people away and climbing giant stacks of paper and dodging people who are pushing mail carts, it's like, okay, but like what, what is happening? Like, what, what am I doing? Is this a real thing? Am I really trying to become the CEO through violence? Is this just my way of interpreting how boring my office life is? I, they, they give you little bits of story as you go. But it's all very just like very vague and very just kind of like really bland, like kind of little statements like, oh, um, I really don't want to waste my life in this office. OK, cool. But like in a literal sense, like are we like, is this a metaphor? I feel like they should have polished the story aspect of it off a little bit more. Let us know who the character is. Give us more personality. And I think that would have really sealed the deal. And this would have been a really cool game to talk about. Um, I feel like it's like. 80% of the way towards being an awesome game. And they just kind of fell short in the story and the aspect of like getting me mentally involved in what's going on. But mm. other than that, other than that, I feel like it's okay. You know, it's, it's good action. It keeps your hands busy. feels pretty good to play, but I feel like I'm going to forget about it. Uh, you know, a couple days after I stopped playing it. So close, close, very close, but not quite a cigar. There. Close, but no cigar. By the way, the company of uh, the developer is from Malaysia. I just looked up. I'm wondering if that has some of the reason of the disconnect when it comes to the corporate culture, because it, it looks very much like a corporate, uh, you know, job here in America. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm not sure if it's the same, you know, kind of system in Malaysia, but it's interesting. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, but it does look super good art. Yeah, the art really is great. Like you know, the art is really good. I just wish they had just, you know, hired... Um, a professional writer or just had polished up the story aspect and it wouldn't have to be a lot, but just, just enough to make you like the character, just enough to give you a good sense of what's happening yeah. to give you a good sense of what you're after. Um, just a little bit to kind of like grease the wheels here. But like, I feel like this is a very good start. I feel like this company is, is on the right track and I definitely look forward to what they're doing next time. But so far the company man, pretty good, pretty good, but uh, not quite a, a winner for all seasons. Real, real so. quick asterisks on that. In their website, it says coming soon. They're working on a new project right now. Okay. Well, I will definitely look forward go. to that. So there we go. All right, folks, that is a show. Um, as always, we would love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at so video games, but you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? TikTok is where I live at Carlos Rodella, R-O-D-E-L-A at Carlos Rodella. All right. As for me, same as always on Twitter, on Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 270. Thank you all again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. And we will see you next week. In the meantime, this is Bye From Brad. And this is Bye From Carlos. I'm going to go into the darkness and fight zombies.